This is New England Patriots running back and three-time Super Bowl champion James White. You're listening to the two-minute drill. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the two-minute drill podcast. Um, Unfortunately, I was not able to make the last episode, but I am very happy to be back, especially after the week two preseason game the Patriots played against the Eagles. 35 nothing victory, a lot of positives to take away from it. Uh, boys, what are some of your instant reactions from the game? I mean, I was talking to you guys about it earlier. It's just, it was just kind of a perfect game for us. I mean, just everyone showed up. Everyone played really well. Obviously, there were a few plays here and there that weren't great. Nikhil Harry blocking some of his teammates. But overall, I mean, both quarterbacks looked <laughs> awesome. Uh, I didn't expect that kind of performance from Cam. And then Mac Jones, when all the pressure was kind of on him, having to follow that up, he showed up too. Defense looked great, forcing a couple turnovers. Just a great game all around. So I'm not going to overreact to it too much because it is the preseason and the Eagles did have a lot of their second stringers in on defense and then also on offense. So we didn't really get to see how they line up against the ones, but it's still all about Mac, baby. It's like he just keeps progressing each week. It was good to see him, you know, respond really well to his performance week one with a better week two. Glad to see Cam could actually start throwing the ball accurately again. Happy for him that he could throw the ball 10 yards down the field for the first time since week two. Um, other than that, though, I mean, you know, like I think the joint practices are more important than the preseason game, but it's still good to see those guys go out there, perform, and then get a win regardless of if it was a preseason or regular season game. Yeah, Kev, like you said, I know the Eagles uh, sat a good amount of the defensive starters and Cam was kind of going against second stringers. But it really was nice to see Cam finally find a rhythm and put on a nice drive like that. Like you said, make some big throws over the middle, find a Jacoby for that touchdown. And he really seemed to have that confidence. And he also looked really good in the pocket. Uh, Big shout out to our offensive line for the entire game. We were just manhandling uh, the Eagles defensive line in front seven the entire time. Uh, And like I said, Cam in the pocket, his awareness looked a lot better, his decision-making, he was looking off defenders and stuff. So like you said, for the first time since week two, you kind of saw that confidence and swag in Cam. And if he can put it together like that, then the offense can really get rolling. And that's without Hunter Henry and Johnny. So there's still some very valuable weapons to put into that offense. But man, Mac, Cam looked great and Mac looked even greater, man. He made some big throws that first drive when he came in, that big third and 13 backed up in his own end zone. When he threw that big out route to Nikhil, uh, in route to Nikhil to keep the change moving, that was a big time NFL throw right there. And I hate to say it, but you see more and more of these little Brady esque throws out of Mac and these decisions, and it's really looking promising for the Pats. Yeah, I mean, you were saying it there. It's just Mac. It, it is frustrating when you know some people when they compare him to Brady. It's just in kind of the proper way where it's purely like physical like just like game style some people who aren't Patriots fans then like misconstrue that and are like oh you think this guy's Tom Brady like obviously that's not what we're saying but when you watch the two of them play the quick release the short throws they go through their progressions quickly they both have really high football IQ Mac showed last night a really good ability moving around in the pocket I was talking to you guys before that one throw he had later in the game where kind of slid up in the pocket avoided a sack Got the ball out so fast, put it right between two defenders. The Philly commentators were, like, in awe of the throw. Uh, It was definitely just a really encouraging performance from both QBs. And it's like when he first went in, like Adam touched on on that third and 13th throw to Nikhil, 
first drive that Matt goes in, the Patriots are at the nine-yard line. So you really get to see what this guy can do, see if he can move the chains down, because you never know what to expect when the rookie's backed up in that situation. And I want to say, I, I remember clearly, 17 plays, 91 yards, and they mm-hmm. took nine minutes off the clock. Like, that is how you, as an offense, how you run an offense. And that's exactly what the Patriots, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels want out of their quarterback. And then to start the second half in the third quarter, they drive down 75 yards. They scored, I don't know how many plays, but it was all no huddle. Every single play was a whole no huddle. They just kept storming down the field. They scored a touchdown. So, and then McDaniels, the coaches had their uh, media interviews today, and McDaniels said, I don't know if you guys saw this, he said, like, right now Cam Newton's the starting quarterback, but Bill Belichick's going to make a final decision. Um, but he just was talking about Mac, and he was saying that Mac is making all the reads, he's making all the right reads, he's way further along than what they expected him to do. He's calling all the plays at the line of scrimmage. And I don't think anyone thought that he would be at this point so fast, regardless of him coming out of Bama. And then the rumor of him going to San Francisco at three because he was going to start right away. But going into the hardest system that Tom Brady built, I just think it's just more and more, just more impressive. And I just think that this is going to be so aggravating when camp starts week one, just because what we've seen all camp and then all preseason long with Mac. It is incredible, though, what they're throwing at Mac and how quick he's picking it up. Like, how often do you see a rookie? He did it in the first game, too, to start the second half, coming out. No huddle, calling plays at the line, fixing protections, doing everything. You know, that's that's something you really like to see out of your rookie quarterback. He's picking up the playbook really quickly. But to touch on the starter situation, it is going to be Cam starting week one, in my opinion. I do want Mac to play. Your opinion sucks. I understand, but, you know, here's my dilemma on it. It's like you can't if, – if you start Mac – and he has a couple. You can't put Cam in after if you start Mac because you can't take the confidence away from him and ruin that momentum he might pick up. So, and especially with Cam looking as good as he did for that the first couple drives, he would go eight for nine, a touchdown, like a hundred yards, hundred something yards. So, I mean, if you can build on that, and you know, with all these running backs and a great O line and two nasty tight ends, you can definitely do something well with the offense. Well, but I, I just hope people, Cam's I on a short when, leash. I hate when people say that though. People are like, oh yeah, you know. You can't start Mac week one because then if you put Cam in, then you kill a quarterback's confidence. But what if Mac just does what they want him to do? And it's like, you know, in that first year, it's like the going back to how Belichick uh, worked with Brady in 2000 to 2004. Just do checkdowns, go through your reads, don't make a big play. Don't force the quarterback to win the game because you have a defense. You have a top three offensive line, probably have a top three defense. You got a good running back group. So those are things that makes it so much easier on a rookie quarterback. So I just don't get the whole narrative of just saying, oh, you know what, you can't bench Mac. But I don't think he would need to be benched because I think that they're suited really well to work around him. So I just don't – I hate that narrative right there. Well, I don't necessarily think that with benching Mac, uh, you know, I agree with what Adam said where I think – it would just kind of take all his confidence away. And it's it's not so much that if you put him out there, he'd struggle, and that's why he'd need to be benched. It's more just that he's a rookie quarterback. If you throw him out there week one, he's going to have his ups and downs. And if he has a backup behind him that's as good as Cam Newton, it's going to be tough to keep Cam on the bench. If you look at these other guys, what their situations are, I think we talked about it a little bit last week, Kev. Zach Wilson, he's got two guys behind him who I don't think have ever completed a pass in the NFL. 
Trevor Lawrence, you know, it's Gardner Minshew behind him. He's not making the push that Cam Newton's going to make. Trey Lance won't be starting. Fields won't be starting. I think it's going to be the same for Mac Jones. But if Cam didn't have the leadership mentality, if Cam didn't have his personality, right, what would you guys be saying? Would you be saying the same thing? After what we saw, after the improvements that we saw from him last night, or not, that's not, not last night. That's not. Uh, no, I know, on, but I'm just saying. You really no, no, no. can't just say, you know, I can't win for nine it's, 110 it's, yards. No, like, no. <laughs> he could, like, the guy couldn't throw the ball last season. It, like, it was painful to watch. Like, just from a mechanic standpoint, it was, like, it was ridiculous. He was showing improvement last night. It was a preseason game. You can't base everything off that. But he was able to like make like make better throws, and that's been that's been throughout this off season that he's been you know performing better in training camp, things like that. He set kind of a low bar for himself, to be fair, but that's what I've seen. I do agree that the personality and the fact that Cam, year one, was a captain on this team. He clearly has the support of the locker room. I think that's a huge factor. In, uh, you that, know, is in, in of whole, that is ninety percent of whole. That is ninety percent of this whole thing. A hundred percent. I'm going to give I, you. I'm going to think... give you a good. I'm going to give you a good analogy right here, right? And you can tell me if I'm accurate or not to base Cam Newton's performance from Thursday night, right? So say I'm playing Madden 22, dude. I'm feeling confident. I'm playing on All Pro, and I'm struggling a little bit, but I know that I need to be better. So I'm just going to put that game on rookie mode. Game's going to come a lot easier, and that's exactly what Cam had Thursday night when he had the starting offense minus the two tight ends. He still had the starting five. He had Damian Harris. He had Aguilar, Myers, Bourne, whatever, and he was going up against the Eagles too. So if he didn't look good Thursday night, that would have been a huge problem, and that would have been the storyline, and it would have been Mac Jones needs to start right now. Mm -hmm. So the only reason why it's like – can't like eight for nine you know it's good for you but i don't think that cam made a big jump i don't think it's just you know i just don't know i don't know i I, I agree with you kev oh sorry dan but you know with with mac we got to expect some struggles in the preseason but he really hasn't struggled all that much he's looked real good and with cam as good as cam looked and we're making a big deal out of it this guy won MVP of the league five or six years ago and took his team to the Super Bowl with an, an incredible season. Like he should be dominating these second string guys. And I know we're making a big deal of him looking good and putting on some good drives and making big throws, but it's like, yeah, like that's that's what he should be doing. But it is good to see that. But my worry about Cam is, as we know last year, he's such a streaky player, man. It's the fact can he put it together for 60 minutes game in and game out? And that's one thing I fear. And if it's like if maybe we start the season three and one, two and two, whatever it could be, I just if we put Mac in at a bad time, like I don't want to waste the season away trying to rely on Cam Newton to see if he can take the next step and improve from last year. No, That's I, why I, I said to I Dan last on, I said to Dan last week on the pod, and I said whoever starts week one, I'd rather them just finish up the year because you like I've been saying all along, I think that the offense has run differently when you have cam under center rather than as with mac for example you can't go down and you can't run a no huddle offense with cam do under center you're not going to see it it's not going to happen i just think that the way those two styles are different if you're going to roll with one if you're going to go with cam week one finish up the year with cam then because you're going to have to change a lot of the offensive alignments 
And if Cam's been working with the ones, whatever, Mac doesn't have as many reps, you might as well just go with that guy because of what you said, Adam. It's like you don't want to see Mac get put in a bad situation week six. But then you guys say at the same time that if Mac starts week one, that you don't want to see him struggle and then his confidence gets lowered and then Cam has to replace him. So there's negative, like either way, there's going to be a, like a situation that you don't want to experience. So you might as well just start the man week one. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely valid. There's, there's pros and cons to both sides. Like whichever way you look at it, you're always going to be able to say that one of the decisions is wrong. It's a tough choice. Um, I'm actively rooting for Mac Jones to start week one because I don't want him to just sit this entire rookie season. And if Cam starts week one, the way that Mac would get in would be, as Adam said before, if he keeps playing like that streaky, streaky player we saw last year and he'd have to have, you know, one of these awful performances for Mac to then come in and replace him. Um, Mac to just go out there and play the whole time. But I'm telling you that what I think is going to happen is that Cam Newton's going to start week one. I don't think he'll be in the whole season. I think it could be as little as four or five games, but I think Cam's going to be our week one starter. I know he's going to be the week one starter, but <laughs> I just keep having to tell my – I just need to keep boosting Mac, and I need to <clears throat> keep saying it so like it becomes like a possibility in my mind because it's just the offense would be so much better and the team would be so much better with Mac week one, but I already know it's going to be Cam, and then we're going to be on the podcast week after week three versus Saints, and we're going to be like, Cam sucks, guy. Like, the same thing as last year, dude. John is wide open in the seam, and Cam freaking overthrows him. It's going to be, we're going to be talking about this, and then we're going to be going, when does Mac play? Well, we can't play Mac because Tom Brady, and then we're going to go, what about week five? But what if Cam does good week four? We're just going to keep doing this. It's, yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be awful. A lot of back and forth, and it's going to be. I mean, unless Cam performs well and you know, kind of turns it around with the new weapons he has. Other, because you know, last year we had no weapons for him, but it really doesn't take away from how bad he played as a whole. But like you said, that back and forth narrative is not really going to be a lot of fun, and uh, it's just. The thing with it, though, is I know Cam's going to start because I know you keep saying like what McDaniel said, like Belichick's going to make a decision. But Belichick has already said a couple times this summer that Cam is the starter currently. And like you said, Kev, 90 percent of that is the leadership in the locker room and how he rallies the troops. And, you know, Belichick soaks that up. It's just it's tough. And it's like even like last year, dude, we were like hoping that like Stenham would get time. (laughs) And it's like but now it's even going to be even harder because you have like a quarterback that like Mac, who we've already seen so much positives from. Like, I think, like, honestly, I think Mac's made, like, one bad throw in these games. And then you watch the other rookie quarterbacks, even though – shout out to Zach Wilson, though, because he's actually surprising me. I didn't think he'd be that good. But, you know, through two weeks, he's looking pretty solid. But, like, Fields has made mistakes. Lance made mistakes last week. Lawrence made some iffy throws week one. We'll see what he does tomorrow night. But it just seems like overall it's just – it's a system you got to fit the system and that's what number 10 does over there. Yeah, definitely. Now just to get off the quarterbacks for a second, because I know we'll go all day. Uh, I would say one <laughs> I of could the go big, all night, all night. The stories to come from that preseason game was Nikhil Harry's injury. He had, it, it's been the same thing both weeks where he's been having 
a great training camp and then in both preseason games he's made mistakes and hasn't really shown up so I don't totally think of him as a player now that you toss this injury on top of it do you guys think his roster spot could be in jeopardy um possibly but if he starts the season on the IR it doesn't count as a spot correct yeah so that's definitely what it's going to be it just kind of stinks because obviously he requested a trade a few months back and Seems like he's bought back in with the Pats as of now. But if you had any plans to trade him with the next couple of weeks, those are completely out the window with this injury. And I'm happy that the injury isn't as serious as it looked. Kind of looked like a shoulder collarbone injury. He landed very hard, but like you no gotta reason. make you gotta make that catch, man. There's no reason to dive on that. He slowed down. Mac made a great ball with 30 seconds left in the half, trying to stretch the field. And you know, Nikhil slows down. Why don't you just pluck your hands out there and catch it in stride rather than diving, laying out, trying to corral the ball and slamming your, your shoulder on the ground like that. It's just, you know, it's – I, I, I'm honestly speechless with Nikhil because he's looked good in camp. We've heard some good stories coming out all, all summer long, but he continues to just fail when the, the spotlight's on him, and it's, it's really frustrating. I'm officially done with Nikhil Harry. I kept trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. I've been on podcast saying that his rookie season, he was out for the first nine weeks. You had A.B. and Josh Gordon. He was on the IR. Then he came back, and he was basically – it was only him and Edelman on that offense, so a lot of the attention was towards him. I gave him a break. Year two, gave him a break again because it was Cam. Cam struggled. Nikhil looked good early, and then once Edelman went out, everything else shit the bed, so I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt then. Then we, when he proposed that trade, we kept saying – that we think that Nikhil is going to go to a team like Arizona and will produce like seven, 800 yards. So I wanted to give him the benefit, benefit of the doubt then. And now I'm all done. I am all done. That man is not hurt. Um, he, they said that the results came back of his test after the game and they came back negative and that there's nothing wrong with him. He was seen wearing a arm sling after the game, probably just for attention just so people don't make fun of him for dropping that pass. Wow. And I think that the Patriots are giving him four weeks off because they want him to take in the last four weeks of being known as a number or a first round pick. And then after this, he's all done. His career is probably going to be all done. <laughs> and Nikhil Harry is a bum. Yeah. And I don't care anymore, dude. Like that, like, like you said, dude, you just don't put your hands out. Stop a mid route and die for a ball dude like just run through it i don't know what he's trying to do to make a highlight play and be on like espn's top 10 plays that no one really watches anymore like what were you trying to accomplish dude i just can't. well i tell you what if he caught that ball diving you would have put an instagram pic of it immediately after the game and yeah it and it would have cool. been on his snapchat story probably would have <laughs> tweeted it five years from now saying week two preseason game versus eagles throwback dude like no. and kevin would be sitting here saying Nikhil harry is back Folks, this is the guy we drafted. <laughs> like five, yeah, five years from now, dude, we're gonna see it though. Like I'm telling you, Nikhil Harry is gonna be one of those guys that like we'll be potting seven years from now, and Nikhil will be out of the league, and then he'll be like throwback to my first touchdown in the NFL first the Cowboys, and they'll be like, dude, what's your stat line? And then he'll block you. That's exactly <laughs> what Nikhil Harry's gonna be like in like five years. But safe to say that the Nikhil Harry project is over. I don't even know if you're going to be able to trade, get value for him. We'll be lucky if we can get a seventh at this point. We talked about it even before yeah, that, that we'd be lucky if we could get a sixth. So now we're going to be lucky if we can get a seventh. I think one of the only teams that might be interested in trading for him 
would be Philly just because he had those great joint practices against them. Everybody else, it would just be we're hearing that this guy's great in practice, and then we watched his preseason game and he was nowhere to be found. I think the Eagles are the only team that would be able to say, like, oh, yeah, he's having a productive offseason. But even now, again, with the injury, like, his value already, we saw that, you know, teams might have been interested, but they'd be offering, like, a sixth-round pick. It's just, what's the point? You know what I mean? So, I think, personally, Nikhil Harry will either be traded on cutdown day or he's going to start the season on IR, and then we'll see where it goes from that. I don't think you can can trade Nikhil when he's out for four weeks, though, because you can't trade an injured player. No, you you can. They can trade him before they put him on IR, and then it's also it's a. I think the we haven't seen like an official time frame. I just saw someone speculating two to four weeks, and that's kind of where that came from. It's all it's bogus, but that leads to another thing too, though, is that after watching that whole thing, Nikhil getting hurt. It kind of leaves a question that we haven't really – no one's really talked about that much just because you do have the tight ends. But you kind of got to make a move to get a wide receiver for at this point because now it brings up the, even the question like say like you get an injury to Aguilar, Bourne, and Myers, then where do you go? Because then you had Nikhil in your back pocket even though we know where that would have went. And Dan's touched on it and Kristen Wilkerson being like the – next Matt Slater being the gunner, but I don't think he's ready to get in there and make plays on the offense. So it does leave a question mark on what this team can do to add depth to that wide receiver core. Cause you're going to need a guy who's going to be ready to go when his name is called. So that's going to be a question to see what they make, if they make a move in the next couple of weeks before week one. Well, that's what I was just going to lead into. Uh, obviously, you never root for injuries, and it sucks what happened with Nikhil. But a guy like Wilkerson, that spot is wide open now. I bet he's feeling a little bit better about his chances to make the team. And obviously, he's made some big noise in camp. He's had some streaky performances in the preseason games. But, I mean, we talked, we touched on it before we hopped on the pod that uh, that he's trained to, being trained to become a gunner on special teams, correct? So yep. if he can yeah. if he can contribute on special teams, maybe he sneaks into that last receiver roster spot. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd like to see him, you know, come up with some more balls. He dropped one in that first preseason game with Mac, which would have mm-hmm. been an incredible, incredible touchdown. But a guy like him, you know, he's probably feeling a little bit better about his chances making the roster now. Yeah, I think I think if we do replace Harry on the roster with you know what we have right now, if we bring somebody up, I think Wilkerson would be the guy. The other options, you know, Trey Nixon, I know, Kev, you had pretty high hopes for him coming up into this camp. He hasn't really performed too great. Nothing, you know, amazing. Isaiah Zuber was a guy who practiced squad all last season and was pretty solid in the few games he got called up in. I think he'll probably just return to that role this year. But um, I thought you brought up a good point there about maybe going to get a wide receiver because if one of these guys gets hurt, it's, you know, with Harry out now, it would be Gunner that you have to bring up. And I don't know about you guys, but great punt returner, uh, great personality, but I don't really have that confidence in him as a starting wide receiver yet. And I was just, I just went online really quick just to see what was out there, seeing if anyone, there's a possibility for wide receivers being on the trade block before the season starts. And there's like kind of a few notable names, like Michael Gallup still, there's a chance that he might get moved. With C.D. Lamb's progression, I doubt that happens, though. And then a one that um, really, like, stood out and seems realistic is Brandon Cooks. 
Yeah, I think that if Houston wants to just, you know, fuck up the organization even more because they've done that really good the last few years. Shout out to Jack Easterby for doing that. Um, but Deshaun Watson's not going to play. Tyrod Taylor's probably going to get hurt week two. And then, what is it, David Mills that they had? Yeah. That they drafted in the third round. Brandon Cooks, man, I feel bad for him because he's been traded so many times. But I don't even know what it would cost to get Brandon Cooks either. Because didn't the Texans just get Anthony Miller too? Yeah. From so Chicago? I think so, his value is pretty low right now. So, I mean, that would be an interesting name. And we talked about it before the pod, Jamison Crowder. Um, that'd be another interesting one. But if you could get just someone like that, like a Cooks or Jamison Crowder, not a big name. Cooks isn't a big name anymore, but like a productive wide receiver, that's only going to make that offense so much better, especially because I don't know how much confidence I personally have in Kendrick Bourne, and I hate to be that guy because after week one preseason game, and like he even talked about it, he was like, you know, I had a bad game. I got to be better than that. And he was like, but I was nervous. It's like, dude, what are you nervous about? You played in a Super Bowl, but you're nervous to play in a week one preseason game versus Washington. Mm-hmm. And I just do think that Jacoby Myers, and it's shown, and because you guys were saying it when we got Kendrick Bourne, you guys were saying that Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers are like the same player. And they have similar attributes, but I think Jacoby Myers is so much better. We have a question mark with Aguilar because, one, I don't think we saw him make a catch versus the Eagles. He didn't play week one. But then there's issues with him still dropping the ball in practice. Like, I know the joint practices, he, like, absolutely destroyed uh, – what's his name? Darius Slay on a route. But then ball goes to the end zone. He drops the pass. And even Myers called him out and was like, yeah, this guy can break – like, beat any quarterback and cornerback in the league. But he's got to haul in those passes. So it's like you really, at this point, if you're going to take the next step, which this team does have the potential if number 10 starts on the center week one, that you got to go get another wide receiver just to complement those two tight ends. And I can, I can already see it with Aguilar. He, he, like you said, he can break. Uh, Jacoby was saying he could get past any corner in the league, but I'm not looking forward to the games where he'll drop a big pass that would have been a touchdown. And then we come onto the pod that week and we're like, but dude, if Aguilar just hauled that in, blah, blah, blah. Like I, I know that's going to happen because he's struggled with these drops for a while. But if he can pick it up a little bit, that would be that would be fantastic. But a guy who I mentioned a little earlier before we hopped on was Golden Tate. And you guys are mentioning Cooks. You know, I feel like Cooks fits that burner role. Obviously, he's a speedy guy who can stretch the field. But I'm looking for more of like a possession, go up and get it receiver that kind of like Nikhil is supposed to be. Nikhil really isn't a real receiver anyway. But I think a guy like Golden Tate can come in here and have a limited role and be that kind of guy who can go up and catch a, a contested ball and, uh, you know, hopefully be that number four, number five right wide receiver you're looking for. And he'd be cheap, too. He's been sitting around all summer. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a guy who might have been worth taking a flyer on. I just think, you know, the Nikhil Harry injury might have changed things for us, but I think it would have been worth doing you know, at the start of camp. So he kind of could have had a lot of time to compete for a spot, but I don't know. It, it would definitely be an uphill battle for him. If we brought him in now after, like you said, pretty much just sitting on his couch for the last couple months. And it was like, all right, you have like a week to show us that you should be on this roster. Like if he came on and just had like a bad person, be gone. So it's definitely an option. And, I think it's more realistic than trading for like a Brandon Cooks or somebody like that because I don't really know if 
the Texans are willing to move him or like what his value would be like we were talking about there, but it would be definitely tough for Golden Tate to get right in and make an impact. But with that being said, if, if in a week he could come in and immediately make his way onto our roster, then he's probably going to be a pretty good contributor for us during the regular season. And as I much as Golden Tate like three years ago. Yeah, he used to be yeah. a beast. I remember he was he was for a while, he was like, Pat should go get Golden Tate. Everybody wanted him. I remember two deadlines ago, people wanting us to get him from the Giants. Even this past deadline, there was like rumors about it. When he left the Lions in free agency, everybody thought he was going to the Pats. And mostly because he wasn't living up to the contract they gave him, which was a pretty big one. Obviously, that's not the kind of money he'd be playing for under us. So I think it'd be a solid move. Yeah, and we're we're sitting here kind of worried about that fourth, fifth wide receiver spot, but that's more of like the sixth or seventh option in that offense with the two tight ends if they can stay yeah, healthy. Definitely. Because clearly the offense is going to run through them too. As long as they can stay healthy, I pray to God. Because our offense could be really dangerous, but you know, like I said, with a guy like Golden Tate, I know he's been sitting around for a while, but if he can just come on in and just get, I don't know, 30 catches or something like that and just be a weapon. And I love his physicality too. You know, he's a tough guy who's not afraid to go over the middle. He'll, he'll eat some tackles. He'll, he'll moss some guys. And I think that could fit our kind of offense. But the, the offense is going to run through the tight ends and the running backs, definitely, no matter who's playing quarterback. I'm worried about that. Um, the tight end staying healthy, though, more – more Hunter Henry than Janu because Janu can play full seasons. We haven't seen Hunt. I don't think Henry's ever played a full season. And it's just going to be a main concern because it's like you said, like you really like if you go get a fourth wide receiver, like you said, he could be a six or seven option. But when one of those tight ends goes down, that that role and that you need those wide receivers to really pick it up. And that leads to the whole thing with Aguilar and Bourne and what their production will be, because I still think to this day that regardless of what Henry, how many games Henry and John Smith play, I still think that Jacoby Myers will be the number one receiver on this team. I think he'll have the best stats, not touchdowns, but have the most yards. And I just think that one of those tight ends goes down, you're really going to be in trouble, and I think that's going to be a weakness for our offense if that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just with what we've seen from them so far, uh, with both of them now, get worried that it won't necessarily be like, oh, like Henry's full season or John the type of thing. We only have a handful of games this year where they both play. I think you could see them basically like they did now, where like Henry goes down with the shoulder, and then right when he's starting to get back, John goes down with the ankle. Like I think we're going to be so reliant on them that you could see both of them just get like little injuries here and there, but I am really hoping we can get both of them on the field for the majority of the season. Um, I think our offense definitely, as you were saying, takes a big dip if we can't have them in there. I think exactly how what happened with Gronk and Hernandez back in the day. Like there was a lot of games that they didn't play together. One was in, the other one was hurt. But then that leads to my question, though, before you even brought that up, and I was going to ask this. What's the over-under, what do you think, on like how many games Janu and Hunter Henry play together? Because I would go as low as like an average. I would say like six or seven. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say like five or six, and that's uh, it stinks to think about like that because the potential with that, our offense with those two guys together is incredible. But like you said, with the Hunter Henry's injury history, we've seen Janu play a full season, but Hunter Henry just seems that he can't, he can't get it out of the injury bug. But 
I mean, at least if one of those guys in the field, I think our offense can still be productive, even though Asiasi being the third tight end in the roster had his opportunity to make his mark in the Eagles game as the only healthy tight end, and he didn't really do much. So clearly there's a huge, huge gap after Johnny and Hunter Henry to the rest of the tight ends on the roster, but I guess we'll have to wait and see and pray to God that both of them can stay healthy. So I feel yeah. kind of bad because I've kind of thought about this, and I think like all the pods we've done ever since the draft, we've only really talked about the offense. Like we really don't even talk the de- about the defense. So I kind of want to do that for a little bit. Like Matt Judon is going to be absolutely insane. I oh, think he's that's going to that was already the number one um, off season move. I would, I'm going to say including Mac right now because that man is just going to be on a different level and. This defense, as long as they can figure out this Gilly situation as the days go by, I am getting a little worried, just a little bit, that there's been we haven't heard anything. And I don't know if they say, like, no news is good news because Gilly isn't going to hold out. He isn't going to pull in Xavier Howard, even though Howard did get his contract extension that he wanted. But that defense is going to be unreal, and especially if Gilly can, you know, they can come to terms with Gilly week one. Before we, yeah, I mean, you look at just with Gilmore alone, you look at how good JC Jackson was to end last season. Now, imagine him being able to play alongside Stephon Gilmore for pretty much the whole year. Because when Gilmore went down, that's when JC really stepped up, kind of gave him his moments where it could be like, All right, you're our guy, go show us what you can do. And now to bring them both back together with you know other guys in that secondary, adding Jalen Mills. Jonathan Jones, you know, Miles Bryant, hopefully developing a little bit more. Our secondary is going to be as scary as ever. And then just adding to that front seven, like you said, with Judon, with Van Noy coming back, with Hightower coming back, that's something that I feel like nobody's talked about this offseason. You know, people were thinking he might retire. And once all those rumors went away, you've heard like nothing about him. Dante Hightower is going to be a huge, huge, huge piece for this defense. And that's what scares me a little bit, though. It's like clearly we've seen some really good performances from JC, and he's a great cornerback. He's the number one in this league, but I put him in like the one B category. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm confident he can lock down a lot of guys, but as a number one, if you're facing some top tier wide receivers, I have some doubts in that. And it's like we got Judon. The defense looking great. These linebackers are unbelievable, but. Gilmore is the the centerpiece. If he's there, then this defense has the potential to be top three, like we were saying. But with no Gilly, I that good quarterbacks good quarterbacks can pick our secondary apart. You know, McCordy's getting a little older. JC's great, don't get me wrong. And there's still a little bit of a competition for that cornerback two spot. Jalen Mills can come and play on the outside, but we saw him last uh, against the Eagles playing more inside. I think that's where he fits better. But if Gilly's there, you know. We can cover for five seconds, Judon, and get right up the field and get after the quarterback as we continue to see him do. But with no Gilly, it just makes it harder for everybody on that defense. He's the centerpiece, and if he's there, then we can really be a top defense in the league. I think that J.C. Jackson, it's not a 1B. I think he's the number one cornerback in the league. I just think that the issue is that he wouldn't really have a number two, and that's really the big issue. That's why Patriots defenses for years kind of work out, like Gilly matched up with Malcolm Butler. It was a good tandem. Like, it's always good for your defense to have a one-two tandem at cornerback, and there's no one, like, we were, you guys have been saying, like, hoping Joe John Williams steps up, takes that role. I don't think Jalen Mills would be that guy to step in, take that role. I don't think 
I don't know. I just think it'd be really tough to see without Gilmore. I still think they would be a top 10 defense without Gilmore, but with Gilmore in there, they're top three. And I think they could potentially be, I would say the best defense in the league, honestly, if everything, if everyone stays healthy, because our issue last year was just the run defense and that run defense is going to be so much better. Those defensive tackles, you can put so many guys in there and we've seen that kind of through the joint practices and through preseason, just rotating guys in and out. And there's not one flaw on this front seven that you guys, that we have here. And you have like value pieces that we can trade. Like I think Winovich is still going to get traded. So I just think that we're so versatile and that's what's going to make this defense so good this year. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you said, that if guys can stay healthy, this should be one of the best defense. You kind of breezed by something there at the end. Chase Winovich getting traded? I think he's I think he's gone. I just think that the way – and I think the only way that he makes a roster spot is if, like, say, like, Uche got taken out, but they said the injury's fine. Like, if someone really goes down like that before week one, but you can move Winovich for a third-round pick. He is a third-round pick. You could get a day-three pick or day-two pick, whatever, for him. Or you could kind of see if you could make a player-for-player player move. Maybe you can take a flyer on a wide receiver, not like a Brandon Cooks. Or I said Crowder for Winovich. I don't know if that would actually happen because you never, you don't really see that many trades, especially a trade like that within the division. But I think if you took a chance on a wide receiver or you traded Winovich to add extra depth to that cornerback position, I think you would do that in a heartbeat, especially if your front seven is stacked like that. Why not move him? Because he's not going to get that many reps. And we saw him play late into the third quarter the other night, regardless of him missing the first part of camp and not really getting many reps. I don't think he's going to get that many reps when it comes to week one and week two if he does make the 53-man roster. What a fall for Chase Winovich. Yeah, big time. I mean, it's not after, even a it's not even a no, fall but I mean, to him. He did nothing wrong. Year, but after his uh I mean, he definitely had a down year last year, but he had after his rookie sacks. year, people were talking about him as like like Hightower is going to go and then Winovich is the next like long-term leader of this front seven. Like and that was like it's... not like a hot take. That was like a pretty accepted thing and then Within a year, he was, you know, he had, what was it? Was it just the one game he got benched last year, or did it go further than that? I think it was one game, but, like, that's the thing. Like, he's had, like, issues with Phil, I guess. Like, yeah. I think it's, like, more than what we know of, because if you really were confident in Winovich, then you wouldn't have drafted Uche the year after. You wouldn't have went out and paid Judon. You wouldn't have brought Van Noy Ronnie, back. Ronnie Perkins. Ronnie Perkins is another one. I think Ronnie Perkins is going to be really good. And I said that before, like once we drafted him, I said that was my favorite draft pick. And that man week one, he had like five pressures and like, I think he only like whatever, like five out of like 10, he had like five pressures or something like that, like a weird pressure stat, what they do. And then I don't know what he did, how much he played week two. I didn't really like hear his name out there, but that's just someone that takes time and he'll be able to groove and you're going to keep Ronnie Perkins on the 53. So it's just, I don't know. I think it's time to let Winovich go. And it's I think he'll be fine. I think he'll have a solid career somewhere else. But we just got too much depth there. And especially if we have er any other areas that we need to add depth, wide receiver, cornerback, two biggest ones, you got to let Winovich go. Mm -hmm. One interesting thing I did see in the Eagles game with, was uh, Joe Juwan Williams on Devontae Smith. 
I thought that was a pretty interesting matchup, a guy like Joe Juan in his size, more of a physicality, not more of a speed guy. But uh, he kind of held his own against Devontae. I know Smith had a couple drops here and there, but I don't think Joe Juan did too bad. I know he's more – he's a bubble guy. He's really on the edge. I don't see him making the roster, but, I mean, for a guy like him, I think he did pretty solid against a Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver. Who was um... – if I, I don't remember on the top of my head, but who was throwing him the ball? Uh, was it uh, Joe <laughs> Flacco? Joe, who was the, yeah, who okay. was after? Who went and okay, after? Flacco? No, it was it was just like, no, it was just Flacco. That's I knew who it was, <laughs> but that you know, like shout out to Joe Joan Williams because he shut down <laughs> Devontae Smith with Joe Flacco, um, throwing him the ball. Whatever, good game. I won't take much out of that. Absolutely not. The, the the same thing with Cam. You really can't say much about it. But you know, shout out to him. He shut down Devontae Smith. All you had to do was bully him at the line of scrimmage. Because what is William six two? Devontae Smith is like five eight. It's like WWE, dude. No way you could lose that matchup, man. Don't lose that matchup. He didn't. So shout out to him for maintaining another week and keeping us of. Uh, not bashing him and Bill Belichick for wasting a second round pick on a cornerback, even though he's pretty much done that. But the hope mm-hmm. is still alive. Yes, definitely. One last thing that I do want to touch on from this game. Kev, you and I talked about this just kind of like flippantly during the show last week, and I think everybody agreed with us. We were both like, oh, yeah, Nick Folk, he's done. Like, Nordine, he's running away with this job. Folk is still hurt. He's done. Now, it looks like it's completely flipped. I mean, Quinn Nordin played like as bad as he could have. So, I want to see, Adam, do you remember what I said about Nordin during the indoor practice? Um, we said a lot of things because he was but laying do you remember, it out. But you remember how I was not that big on him, though? Yeah, because of his Michigan days and his struggles with the consistency. Yeah, and that's exactly what we saw week two. And, and it sucks because I was really pulling for the dude. The dude has a leg. And it's like the Bengals kicker. I don't know if you guys saw that, but the Bengals kicker was freaking drilling like 68, 69-yard field goals in practice. I know it's totally random, but this dude kicked a field goal yesterday from 50 yards, and that thing would have been good from 70. And it's like that's like what Nordine pretty much is, but he's not accurate, and there's no way that that guy is going to be our kicker, especially when if he's doing that in week two preseason game. I feel bad for him because all the hype was real. But I think it. I think it's all done for him. That's the thing too. Like it seems like he's got the yips. How many he's missed? What two or three extra points? And that field goal he missed was in like extra missed, point range a, too. He missed a thirty-six yarder and he missed two extra points. And he all uh, he put he pushed all of them. Like he missed them all to the same spot. Yeah. So obviously that does not sit right with Bill at all. He wants consistency and. Having a guy like Nick Folk who maxes out at what forty five, fifty yards tops. Yeah, I think but he, is consistent. I think he's hit from like fifty one last year. That's yeah, and that's that's pushing it. Yeah, but if you know Nick Folk's a he's but he's a veteran. He's he can get in there. He's pretty consistent. He was probably our top, our brightest. Won us, won us two games. Won us <laughs> yeah, two games. Did win us two games, which is saying a lot. But uh. It does stink how this Nordine situation is uh, unfolding because, like you said, Kev, during those um, in-stadium practices, the hype was very, very real. He had that stretch where he was like 12 of 12. We watched him bang like a 56-yarder right through the upright. Everybody was excited for him, but it just stinks that it's unfolding like this. 
Dan, I know you said one last thing, but I do have one last thing before for it. we wrap up the podcast. Um, and it will kind of lead us into our next week's episode, which we're probably going to want to do right after the game versus the Giants Sunday. They play at 6 o'clock, so Monday we'll have pot out, hopefully. We're going to do 53-man roster projections. But looking at the roster right now, give me one player who a lot of fans and whatever – would think would make the Patriots 53th man roster that you do not think is going to make it. Brandon Bolden. And I talked about that a little bit last week. There's still an avenue. There's still an avenue for him to get on, but with the right, with the way that these other running backs are showing up, looks like I think he might be the odd man out. Adam, what about you? I mean, Dan took Brandon Bolton for me, but then I'll go J.J. Taylor then. But uh, Oh, that is oh. – I hate to say it. I hate to say it. I hate the people like, – I see a lot of people thinking that James White's going to get cut. They cut the crap with that. There's no effing way. I just think, you know, Bolden, he's been in the system for a while, clearly a, a leader in the locker room. Everybody loves him. All of our other running backs are looking really good, but has J.J. Taylor done enough to break through that? I mean, I know James White's the only, like, real pass-catching quick threat that we have, and – J.J. Taylor could be that replacement if James White leaves next year because he's only on a one-year contract this year. But it's tough. It, you know, I was going to say Brandon Bolden, but Dan took it for me. But it's one of those two guys, man, because you guys, everybody knows I'm a big Sony guy, and he looked un- he looked fantastic catching the ball out of the backfield against so the we, Eagles. <laughs> we should do a uh, a little bet because mine is Sony Michelle, and so you guys have – Two different running backs. I think J.J. Taylor 100% makes that roster. So I think Adam automatically would lose the bet. But I'm down to put a $10 bet in. $10 winner of the pot makes wins $30 Venmo. And hopefully that I can win my money back from that awful stream we had. So if any of you guys listen to the (laughs) podcast and watch the stream, I do dearly apologize. And my $40 out of my bank account does hurt from that. So, Dan, wrap this thing up. All right, well. You heard the man next week after the Giants game. We'll hit you with those final 53-man roster projections. Uh, Hope you guys can tune in for that one, and thank you for listening.